Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel reading this morning is from the 15th chapter of St. Luke. Now, all the tax collectors and the sinners, they were coming near to listen to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable, which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices and When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. been quite a week this past week, don't you think? I mean, certainly here at St. John's as we consider a, uh, the fall reveal, the beginning of a lot of fall programming, um, we began an annual campaign, and thank you, David, for your good words about and leadership through that campaign. Of course, the anniversary of 9-11, 21st anniversary of 9-11, the death, the death of a queen, uh, so much to, uh, to consider and go through. And oh, by the way, App State beats Texas A&M. How about that, huh? Pretty exciting. There's a classic story of Queen Elizabeth that's, that was told last June by her longtime bodyguard, Richard Griffin. Maybe you've seen it. It's gone viral uh, on, in social media. He was walking with the queen near Balmoral Castle. That's her retreat in Scotland. It happens to be where she died last week. Well, on the walk, they bumped into two hiking tourists. This is a true story. They bumped into two hiking tourists from the United States. He said that the queen always loved to stop and to say hello, but it was very, very clear from the get-go that, that these two men did not recognize the queen, had no clue who she was. So as they chatted, they said where they were from, where they had gone, where they were going to, and uh, then one of them asked the queen, and where do you live? <laughs> and she said, well, I live in London, but, but I have a holiday home on the other side of, of this hill. Oh, really? How often have you been coming here, they, they asked. And she said, well, I've been coming up here since I was a little girl, so well over 80 years, she said. Well, if you've been coming that long, have you ever seen the queen? <laughs> and quick as a flash, she points over to her bodyguard and says, well, I haven't, but, my, but Richard here, he meets her regularly. <laughs> you've met the queen, they asked him very excitedly. What's she like? And Richard said, well, oh, she can be cantankerous at times, but but she's got a lovely sense of humor. And before he knows it, one of the Americans, he puts his arm around Richard's shoulder, gets his camera, gives it to the queen, and says, can you take a picture of the two of us? <laughs> After that, they switched places, and Richard took a picture of the young man with the queen, and, but they never caught on at all. As they waved goodbye, the queen said to Richard, I would love to be a fly on the wall when they find out who I am. <laughs> Clueless, oblivious lost. Throughout this year, we've been making our way through the Gospel of Luke. It's, it's the story of Jesus, of course, but it's more than just the story of Jesus. It's a glimpse into the very character of Jesus. It, 
it answers questions like, uh, what matters most to Jesus? And what does Jesus value more than anything else? The answers are evident throughout the gospel story, of course, but they're most clearly revealed in the parables that Jesus tells. And Luke is filled with these parables, these stories of Jesus, because within them, uh, we find the heart and soul of Jesus, the Messiah. We're going to look at one of those stories today, the parable of the lost sheep. Next week, we're going to dive into the most familiar of the parables, probably the most familiar, the, the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. Both of these, of course, having to do with this idea of being lost. So it begs the question, have you ever been lost? I bet you have. I mean, these days, of course, on a road trip when your GPS isn't working properly, we get lost. As, as a kid, I remember getting lost in a department store, and I can still feel that panicked feeling in the bottom of my, my gut. Or maybe you've lost something, keys, a favorite book, your kid. <laughs> once, once I lost my retainer when I was a camper at Lutheridge, I found it in the bottom of a dumpster at Lutheridge because I knew I could not go home without that retainer. So how many of you have searched and searched for something and were eager, eager to find it? Maybe you've been searching for your glasses all morning long, only discover that they are where? On your head the whole time. This idea of being lost or losing things is nothing new. It's, it's just part of the, of the human experience. But you know as well as I that Jesus isn't concerned about losing your glasses. Jesus is concerned about losing your way. And so let's take a look. I'd love for you to open up your bulletins or your Bibles again today. We're in Luke chapter 15, and I, I want to look just at those first two, two verses real quickly. Are you there? So, verse 1, we're told that the Pharisees, they are grumbling with how much time Jesus is spending with the sinners. The Pharisees, of course, are the religious leaders of the day. Uh, one of the translations, the NIV translation, says that they were muttering. I sort of like that word. I imagine them muttering under their breath, saying things they didn't want to say out loud for everyone to hear. It happens all the time, right? To which our mothers would say, don't talk under your breath or don't say behind the back what you won't say to his face. But like the Pharisees, we do it all the time, don't we? I mean, we talk smack behind people's backs. We mutter unkind things to neighbors. We gossip with sentences that begin, did you hear or did you know? And social media, give me a break. We now have empirical evidence that shows how digital manipulation, which is essentially what it is, over time it changes us, it makes us angrier, it, it increases our likelihood of entering into a, a pattern of muttering and grumbling, of criticizing, of judging, of tearing down. And the thing is, anybody can mutter or grumble or criticize. It takes no skill whatsoever to do any of that, but it's no way to lead. In fact, several years after Jesus told this story, Paul, St. Paul, you know, was trying to establish a church in Ephesus. He gathered together the leaders together and said very, very clearly these words, quote, don't let talk that tears down come out of your mouths but only that which is useful for building others up. I mean, it's helpful advice for today, don't you think? Don't tear down, always build up. The Pharisees, they were trying to tear down with their muttering, tear down Jesus, tear down those that they didn't like, who they already had classified as the sinners. It's such a temptation, isn't it, to always tear down the other. So Jesus tells them a story. And this story is about a shepherd who has lost his sheep. Pretest, 
by the way. Raise your hand if you think you know who the shepherd is. Come on, raise your hand. Anybody? Clue? Maybe? Jesus, I heard? Maybe. For now, let's go with that. Jesus, we know Jesus as the good shepherd. We've called him that for so long. There's beautiful imagery of Jesus as the good shepherd who cares for his sheep, who sets everything aside in order to find the lost sheep, even, of course, when it doesn't make sense, because can we at least be honest about that? I mean, he leaves the 99 to fend for themselves just to find that one rogue disobedient sheep, the same sheep who will probably just run off again tomorrow. It's reckless behavior, don't you think, among or, uh, of the shepherd? Careless behavior, inefficient, absolutely, but maybe that's the point. God's love for us is reckless, and not just us, of course, but for everyone, especially the least, the lost, the last, those whose society may have forgotten or ignored or, or have decided aren't worth it. In fifth grade, that person was Denise. I mean, Denise was the girl with braces on her legs and walked with a severe limp. She was awkward. Uh, she sat by herself at lunch. She played by herself on the playground. Her, her glasses were always crooked, and she wore dresses when everyone else wore shorts. One day she had an accident while trying to climb a pole on the climbing set, meaning she wet herself. The ridicule was crazy. The laughter followed her the rest of the year. When Jesus says that the shepherd will do whatever it takes to find the lost sheep, I have no doubt in my mind that he had Denise's name on, on her mind. The girl uh, considered worthless by, by others, but but of great worth by the shepherd who is reckless in his search for her, relentless, tireless. Friends, if you, if you feel that you are among the least, the last, the lost, if you, you yourself, feel that your life is worthless, know that there is one who claims you as, as worthy, worthy to set aside everything, even his, his own life, to find you, to love you, to carry you home on his shoulders. Is that something you need to be reminded of today? Probably. We need to be reminded of that each and every day. Every morning when we wake up, when we put two feet to the ground, we need to be reminded, don't we, of, of God's reckless love for us. Or maybe you're thinking of someone in your own life who needs that reminder. If so, repeat this prayer after me. Ready? Lord, when I find myself lost from you, Lord, when I find myself lost from you, let me never doubt, let me never doubt that I am worth searching for, that I am worth searching for. Amen. But what if the shepherd isn't Jesus? I mean, after all, a, a parable is just a story, right? And any good story can have multiple meetings, multiple ways of entering into the story, multiple ways of interpreting the story. So, sure, the shepherd could be Jesus, and it's a lovely, a very important way of understanding this story, but perhaps he could represent someone else as well. And, and sure enough, in this case, there's an interesting word in verse 4 that I had never noticed until this past week. So, let's read it. Take a look. It says this, Jesus says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Did you hear that? Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. I mean, did you notice there's no mention of a shepherd? As it turns out, we're the ones who have added that word to the story. 
it's not clear in the story that, and never named as, as the shepherd, after Je- all Jesus is speaking to whom? To the Pharisees, those who had been muttering under their breaths, judging others. Suppose one of you has lost a sheep, he asks. And here's another thing. We don't know who's responsible um, for the sheep having been lost in the first place. It's not at all clear in the story. Maybe it's a rogue sheep, uh, or maybe it's a careless man who left open the sheep gate. Maybe. Maybe the sheep has just carelessly wandered off, or maybe the one who was supposed to be watching over and failed to do his job, he was distracted, or he was just lazy. We don't know. And that's when the parable, though, starts to get hard when we at least ask those questions. Because suddenly, in asking them, well, I don't know, it feels like Jesus is is asking us a question. Suppose one of you, he asks, individually, you, is responsible for someone or something being lost. Suppose one of you as as a society or as a community is responsible for someone or something that, that has lost its way. I, I know, we don't like necessarily to hear those, those questions because all of a sudden, if we're not careful, suddenly it feels like we're being blamed for something. And goodness gracious, you know as well as I that we'll do whatever it takes to protect our pride. We don't like to be blamed for anything. Uh, but although Jesus is asking the question, make no doubt about it, his point here is not to blame but to ask, what will you do if you are responsible what will you do? Because at the end of the day, the shepherd always bears responsibility for the lost sheep. I mean, he can make all the excuses in the world, it doesn't matter. But when he brings those sheep back to the community, at the end of the day, and there's one that's missing, he's responsible. So, what will he do? What will you do? One day I had to stay after class and talk with the teacher. We're back in fifth grade. (laughs) As I was leaving, Denise was standing next to the door. I didn't even know she was in the room, but she was next to the door, and and I can only imagine that she had been there waiting for me. I tried to brush past her until I heard her ask, why do you let them make fun of me? I was stunned. I wasn't prepared for that question at all. What are you talking about, I asked. And, and I have to admit to you, I honestly cannot remember the rest of the conversation. But that question has stuck with me all of my life. Why do you let them make fun of me? Suppose one of you knows of a sheep that is lost, Jesus says. What will you do? You would search for it, right? Jesus asked, right? You would search for it, right? Or, or does that depend? Does it depend on what kind of sheep he's talking about? Is it one of, his, of, of our own? Is it one of our, of our own clan, of our own tribe? Is it a sheep worth fighting for? A sheep who, when found, might draw the attention of others who will be eager to celebrate our bravery, our courage, and, and pat us on the back? Or is it one of those lost, worthless sheep that no one even notices? <laughs> The thing is, Jesus doesn't tell us what kind of sheep. He just asks, suppose one of you loses a sheep. 
what will you do? And if you're honest, and I hope you will be, if we're willing to do some deep self-reflection and look into the mirror that is there before us as Jesus asks this question, we discover very quickly it's not an easy answer, which is why Jesus shows us beautifully, drawing on the tradition of Moses and Isaiah, of Jeremiah and Elijah. Jesus says in verse 4, this is what you do. You go after the one who is lost until you find it. But how? Rabbi Jonathan Sachs is a, is a book that we've been, his book on leadership is something we've been reading together as a staff on Wednesday mornings during our, our, uh, our, our devotions. He's a British rabbi who draws beautiful connections to the great Old Testament stories, and every now and then will draw those connections to even the stories of Jesus. Well, in this case, when Jesus says, go, he does so with action in mind. That seems obvious, but it's very, very important with action in mind because, as it turns out, without action, you're simply a critic or you're just an optimist, a critic who complains that someone must have left that gate open or, or that the sheep must have been a lost case all along. Why, why should I be responsible? The optimist cheerfully says, oh, tomorrow will be a better day, <laughs> but does nothing to address the reality that the sheep is lost. Jesus employs the wisdom of the greatest leaders of faith, Leaders like Abraham and Moses, Joshua and David, he doesn't simply talk about the sheep. Enough talk happens already. He does the hard work of searching for him. And in so doing, this person who was responsible for losing the sheep in the first place, well, now has been transformed into a prophet of hope. Not just an optimist. An optimist believes things will get better, sure, but the prophet of hope gets into the mess and makes things better. Go after the sheep and don't stop until he is found. And then place that sheep on your shoulders and bring him home. And then, friends, don't forget, celebrate like there is no tomorrow. Call together your friends and your neighbors and say to them, celebrate with me, for I have found my lost Sheep, who among you will do that? Jesus asks. I have to admit to you that I have felt guilty about Denise all of my life. I've been fortunate, and I know that I have been, very fortunate to have felt a strong sense of call into ministry because of people and events that have shaped my journey and the, and the Holy Spirit who has guided me to this place, and I believe that truly. But truth be told, I am also in ministry because of Denise's question. It's a question that I've tried to unpack for decades. The irony, the irony is that I felt that Denise was the lost one. But in truth, I was. And so often, I still am. But thanks be to God, Jesus has this beautiful way of reminding us that we have been drawn together by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the intention and purpose of God, that all of us drawn together as one flock, one family, and has shown me and all of us that He will do whatever it takes to find us, to rescue us, to hold us, to place us on His shoulders, and to bring us home. Finally, I just have to say that I, 
I couldn't stand it any longer, so I looked up Denise this past week. <laughs> it's pretty easy to find her by her name, but also, and I'm not joking, by her crooked glasses. <laughs> what I discovered was that this lost sheep has now become a child advocacy lawyer in Charleston. One of the reviews said this, these words, quote, Denise fought so hard for my son. Then she even watched him grow up. I owe her my life. I will forever be grateful. Will you pray with me? Lord God, God, we know that your heart is for us all. But no doubt that you have a very special place in your heart for the least, the last, the lost. Lord, we confess to you that that sometimes we are lost in our own journey by our own making and sometimes not even aware of our own lostness. Lord, we know that there are so many folks in our community, in our midst, in our world who feel rather worthless or left, left on their own so alone. Lord, we thank you for your heart. We thank you for your eager determination, your reckless determination to find even the loss that everyone else has forgotten. Lord, make my heart like yours. Lord, make our hearts like your heart so that you might use us today, tomorrow, and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.